Oh, by the way, I put the thing as explicit so we can curse. Okay. Yeah, let's. We can all curse. So, do you want to talk about how you thought of Beyblade first, or should I talk about how I saw New Amsterdam first? Well, we could like introduce ourselves, like, you know. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Honestly, can you tell? Can you can you tell? Can you tell who the Virgo is and who the Gemini? <laughs> the Virgo's like, um, we well, should you're just. You're like, interested in all the astrology stuff, and I just like Beyblade because ha ha, funny top go bird. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um. Hello, I'm Alex, and I'm 20 years old, and. This is a podcast that we randomly came up with in a, on a lovely sunny afternoon, um, despite time differences. So it could have probably been in the dead of night. And I was like, hey, let's start a podcast. And yeah, anyways, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you. I'm Liz. I'm a fucking sailor. <laughs> Since I don't actually <laughs> sail, I just swear like one. Uh, I'm 19 but, and I currently... I'm studying medicine, second year. So we've, um, the, the, we're basically best friends. We've been best friends from the time we're in like kindergarten, I think. Kindergarten. And so, yeah, we've known each other for a very, very, very long time. So we decided to start this podcast. So, um, yeah. We currently got like a time difference of like eight hours or something. I think so. Yeah. So it's like 10 for you and it's like five for me. Yeah. So again, this whole time difference foolishness, it's lovely. It's very much, it's... It could have been two hours, but somebody used this moving back home. Listen, there's this thing called the coronavirus. I don't want to get it. There's a thing called the coronavirus, (laughs) I could have been chilling on a beach and stuff. (laughs) That's stuck in frozen hell. But I'm hoping to go back. Like, well, I need need to go back. If it's my third year, I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to go to the UK. I need to graduate because I graduate next year. So I don't want to miss my graduation. I can't graduate for like six minus two, four more years. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a law student. So there's law student and med student in one podcast. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> the worst, most high stress jobs possible. <laughs> oh my God. Stress level Paris Geller. That's like a reference to Gilmore Girls, by the way. Anyways. I've never seen that show. It's it's kind of cringy, but it's like it's really sweet. It's like a oh, mother daughter. cringy. It's like that a mother you baby watch. Listen, uh, we're gonna get into that. Anyways, let's start the topic of conversation. Okay, so we decided the topic of our podcast will just be the two of us watching through our each other's favorite shows and movies or whatever. So I had Alex watch my favorite show of all time, Beyblade Metal Saga. So she's currently on like the first series of it, which is Beyblade Metal Fusion. And yep. I made her watch two episodes because this son of a bitch sent me a 42-minute 42 42 TV show. Listen, it's worth the 42 minutes. The show that I told Liz to watch was New Amsterdam, and it's this medical drama. And in my opinion, it's better than Grey's Anatomy. It's unrealistic. It's, it's really good. The it's man written. fired his cardiology but department. It's funny. Cardiac surgeon department. It's funny because listen, if the man just walked in, in life, there. The shareholders or whoever is on the board directors of that hospital would have fired him 
But it's a TV show. But like basically the man, I thought it was funny. Like he just walked the in there. violated and US he, law. And he was basically like, well, raise your hand if you work for reception or something or something, one another. And he's like, okay, yeah, you're all fired. I'm like, honestly. No, it was a cardiac surgery department. And then I remember there was like a scene where like he was in the, was it the locker room or like the janitor's closet? Oh, that was actually funny. And like, that one took me by surprise. I, I was giving credit that that was impressive. So it has its moments where it's like comedic and it's serious and it's just it's just so really good. There's a really cringy part where they talked about Ebola and I'm just like, what year did this come out? And then I, I googled it and it was like 2018 and I'm just like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because like I didn't hear about New Amsterdam until I saw it on Netflix just advertised. I'm like, oh, cool, let's watch it. So I did and I'm currently on episode three. So I wish I gave good. you her to watch instead of New Amsterdam because at least they're a bit more comparable since, you know, Beyblade's a freaking anime that's trying to sell toys to kids. <laughs> and <laughs> Lucifer is like a more detective type drama show, which I can get more into because I know nothing about how police stations and stuff work. Oh, Lucifer. Yeah, it's a good show. So I haven't really watched it. I haven't watched it, but I've heard it's good. Well, maybe when you you get through Beyblade and I get through New Amsterdam, you can watch Lucifer and I'll watch whatever the heck you recommend me next. Okay. Anyways, let's talk about the shows. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. New Amsterdam starts off with like, this man's running through the streets of New York, and then this other man's coming from the airport. I think it was JFK Airport. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not good with geography. <laughs> well, I'm not good with landmarks <laughs> identification stuff. Uh, but yeah, he did come from JFK Airport. Yeah, he came from JFK Airport. And so, like, the man's running in the street. He kept rubbing his throat and stuff, so you could tell he probably had some throat issues, which is important later, once I get near the end of the summary. And he's a doctor, so his first introduction is going to then a hospital changing room, where some nurses are talking smack in Spanish with the janitor, who's also Spanish. And this running dude getting changed is a white guy, so they're just talking openly, insulting him, like the new medical director. And he just comes out in perfect Spanish, like, yo, hi, I understand you. And I heard you guys are talking shit about me. And you're also putting bets that I won't last a year running this damn hospital. Oh yeah, they bet it. I will take those odds, and he just straight up gives the guy, like, money, just like, yeah. Also, this random chick burst into the, um, changing room she's just like oh you medical director guy i found you all new medical directors get lost why are you in scrubs and he's just like because i'm a doctor i mean fair enough but you're also in charge of a business yes a business hospitals are run like businesses despite how flatterian you are a hospital still needs to have proper business administration so then some weirdness happens like he gets a phone call from his wife and she's just dancing in this New York studio or something. Yeah, no, it's just this big ass empty room. Probably cost like a million dollars on Zoolo or something. I don't oh, know. Yeah, it is, it is New York. No, wait, it's Massachusetts, I think. No, it's New York, New Amsterdam. Oh, it is. Oh. They came from JFK International Airport. That's New York. Oh, yeah. New York I keep thinking, I thought she was left in my- so high. But I thought, I honestly thought that, that she was in Massachusetts because didn't they have like an argument or something where they wanted to stay in Massachusetts but then they moved to New York because of work and then they had problems 
Maybe that's in a later episode. I only watched the first episode. Yeah. So anyways, like, she's just dancing in this studio that probably costs millions of dollars, which I don't know how much these guys are getting paid, but a doctor's salary could barely cover whatever the heck she was doing. Like, I don't know how she afforded that dance studio. I don't know, it was 2018. This random lady shows up and she's just like, yo, doc, uh, I need to do travel things and promotions or something to publicize hospital. And this man's like, no, you stay here and become a doctor because you are a doctor and do doctor things. And she's just like, yeah, that's good, but you also know that hospitals are businesses, right? He's just like, yeah, but we're a a hospital. We need to be treating patients. I want you to treat patients or I'll fire you. She's just like, Bye, Felicia. I'm going to go bring in real clientele. Also, yeah, you mentioned yeah. that at the beginning of the show, there was a bioterrorist attack at the UN headquarters. So a bunch of UN diplomats and ambassadors were just chilling around the hospital because they were getting, like, treatment. This is relevant later. So, like, the man... I, I don't actually know the medical director's name. I didn't catch any of their names. I don't even think they said their names in the first episode. The only name I caught was Luna, which is important. So, like, then the man gets every single member of the medical staff and I think board of directors or something to come to the to this meeting room I don't know why this hospital has a meeting room but it has a meeting room in the middle of the day just leaving their clients completely unprofessional and he's just like okay uh I'm here to help and everybody's just standing there like Nani? Help? help? What, what do you mean help? He's just like yeah I, I want you to air your grievances I'm gonna help ya so everyone's just like no you're kinda dumb so anyways so some people no one says anything so then he's just like okay raise your hand if you're in the cardiac surgery department and people raise their hands and he's just like y'all fired now that was funny <laughs> I, think that's what, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen on television it was funny because it was so the whole time no it's just like the way that the way that he just casually just walked in there and fired a whole entire department, and then... I think he violated New York State labor laws. But then, but it's funny because we're all confused, right? He's going to get sued for that. But again, but th- and then the whole entire show... more money. What he showed them was the, being like, you all are getting retrained. And the funny part is that like, the whole entire show, he he's ignoring calls from... Oh yeah, he is ignoring calls in the first episode too. It's just like, yeah, you need to answer those calls, dude. They were the guys who pay your bills. You're gonna get fired. It's funny. I don't know why. It's funny to me how he's just ignoring people's calls. Anyway, and so he yeah. fires these people, and he fires a bunch of. No, then he tells a bunch of. I think these other hospital doctors or something. I think they're shareholders. I don't know. And he's just like, yo, uh, if you guys have a problem with how I run this shit, you can leave or something. So everybody leaves except for like one chick, and she's just like, yo, I'm in charge of uh, the emergency department. Oh yeah. And I want to get rid of the waiting room. He's just like. What do you mean get rid of the waiting room? She means, I want to get rid of it. I want patients to go in the hospital and get straight to bed. He's just like, yeah. yes. And you I'm know just what? like, how the hell are you going to do that? Honestly, I think he was, he, okay. When I first watched the episode, I was like, listen, um, he's, he's like the super doctor. Like the Santa Claus uh, of doctors. Alex, no doctor is a specialist of the entire human body. No, but like, he's he just like, 12 practicing. years to become a freaking specialist in anything. He's just granting wishes for all of these people. Wishes that he can't keep. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna hurt him in the butt one day. Like, like, like don't make promises you can't be, keep. It's okay to be an idealist, but you should also remember to be a realist. 
the whole time. I'm like, this is gonna go badly. But then that's why the director lady, like she was in charge. Like she's an important character or something, I think, because she showed up later in this episode. So he's just like, yeah, done. You're not gonna um, no more emergency rating room. And some other doctors, other grievances. I forgot what they asked for because they're not important characters. And then like he talks to this emergency room lady afterwards and just like, yo, I need you to do a throat biopsy. And she's just like, a biopsy. You stick a, you take a tissue sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she does a throat biopsy for him. And while he's doing the throat biopsy, he kept talking, which kind of pisses her off because she's just like, dude, uh, throat biopsy? Can't talk, man. And at the same time, some people are calling him because, you know, obviously their legal team is probably having a field day about the massive firing of a bunch of doctors. Except one. He rehired him. Yeah, he did. He rehired he- him. One of them. But at that moment, he wasn't rehired. And he's still the only one left in the cardiology surgery department or whatever. So anyways, so the emergency doctor is just like, yo, you should have fired this one guy from the cardiac surgical department or whatever. And this guy is black, which is actually relevant to his character for reasons that I'll get into once I get to relevant part. And so she's like, you shouldn't have fired him. And he's just like, okay. So he goes and does some other things. I forgot kind of, it's like a weird blur. And then like, there's a scene where this chick runs in to, I think the psychiatric department. And she's a teenager. I at first thought she was autistic because she was acting like a stereotypical autistic person in media, which kind of made me feel really annoyed. Then when they revealed that she was actually supposed to be a broken girl from a beauty, I was just like, oh, okay, I thought they were making fun of autistic people. So I was like, that's actually kind of change of pace. And so she goes to the, doc- the psychiatric department, she's just like, I need Dr. Fromm or something. He's like the only name I remember. Dr. Fromm, Dr. Fromm, and the nurse is just like getting really salty, and they're just like, do I have to call security or some shit? Which, first of all, is very unprofessional. Secondly, she's in the psychiatric department. How are you not trained for that if you're a nurse in the psychiatric department? Or maybe it was not the psychiatric department, but I thought it was. Then Dr. Fromm just shows up out of nowhere. He's just like, oh, hey, uh, I forgot the girl's name. I call her Chick. Hey, Chick, uh, I need... It actually makes him sound really perverted because the doctor was really old, so I'm gonna change that to maybe a uh, child. Hey, child. I, uh, it's okay, whatever, gotta. And then I think it switches back to the director again. No, it switches to the emergency room lady talking to the. No, it is the director. So the director talks to the uh, cardiac surgeon guy, and he's just like, You're rehired because I heard good shit about you, and you seem to really love your job, and you also have a holistic approach to medicine, which is the same approach to medicine I have. Not me, but like, actually I do have a holistic approach to medicine, but the medical director also has a holistic approach to medicine. And holistic approach means like you look at more so the entire body instead of specifying in one region because of this. You know, it's it's medical school stuff, I won't go into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna go over your little ma- little minds. My legal mind can't, con- it can't comprehend medical Your non-medical minds won't understand the holistic medical approach. But it's about treating the entire body to find the cause. And typically holistic medicine is more anti-surgery is kind of the way. It's more like unnecessary intervention when there's alternative methods. It's more like limited medical interaction. I always thought that holistic medicine had to do with like using um, essential oils and... That's uh, homeopathic medicine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually had to learn home- well, I had to learn the history of medicine. Homeopathic medicine came up a lot in the history of medicine. That's fun. There is some evidence that some homeopathic treatments can work, but that's a debate from another day. Oh yeah, we could talk about like the essential oils. Like, 
people and how they're frauds. I saw a documentary about. It. I'm like, oh my god! Like I have a, I actually have a, a essential oil diffuser. My mom so. has oil, and I'm just like, oh no! And she bought them from Young Living. Young Living. I'm just like, same. Girl,、oh, no. do you not watch Illuminati? Blair,、mm-hmm. that is But, an MLM. You're、oh. lost. How do you not know what MLM means? I haven't reached that point in law yet, but、Mark、next year. Level marketing. It's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that's like business law. I don't do business law. You can't kiss that yet. So. So anyway, so there's also this subplot where this like Mexican lady has presumably Parkinson's disease or something, and like this doctor, I don't remember his name, but he was Indian, so I'm just gonna call him generic Indian name of Singh. I mean that could have actually been his last name. It's true, but yeah, isn't she like she had like um she was diagnosed. No, I'm gonna get to that. Let me tell. So like the medical director is just like Dr. Singh, I'm so salty at you. How come you're treating this patient slowly? And he's just like, dude, I worked here for 25 years. Let me be. I got a system. So the medical director gives that guy flack. I'm gonna call him Dr. Singh for the rest of this.、And、there's so much going on in the first episode. It's kind of chaotic. And then something, uh, something black doctor guy, cardiac surgery. I'm gonna call him Doctor Black is his name now. And we're gonna call the emergency department lady. Uh, I don't know. What's a good what's name for name? her? I don't know her name. Um, I don't know her name either. I think it's Susan. I don't know. <laughs> Let's call her Susan. <laughs> call her Susan. <laughs> like maybe she's the only character we actually got the name right besides Doctor From. Like there was too much in this first episode. Okay, I can't. It was too I crazy. I know. It's really good. Anyway, so Susan and Doctor Black, like they were talking about going on a date or something and having sex. You know, the devil's tango, the nasty. And she's just like, "Yo, I like you. Want to go on a date?" And he's just like, "Nah." And then something happens with、uh, the child and Doctor From. So Doctor From is just like, "I feel like the system is failing the child. I wish there was something I could do to help the child." And then the child gets into trouble in her psychiatric course class or whatever. I don't know what she wasn't doing. I think it might have been group therapy, but then it was like a classroom setting. I haven't、oh. gone to that part of medicine yet, so I don't know exactly what the treatment was. It was probably just like, oh, oh, you know what it is? I think the psych, her doctor told her that.、Um, oh yeah, he had her committed because he didn't want her back in the system, and I'm just like, yeah. So being she committed in the U.S. is way worse than being in the foster care system. Because like, I think she does. She was doing school. At the hospital, like it's just like, yeah. Why was that there? Equivalent. I don't know. Like, maybe when I, I get to like doing psychology and psychiatry, I might figure out what the heck was happening there. But I don't know what they were doing. But yeah, she got committed, which is not a good thing in the U.S. It's actually never really a good thing in most cases, because there's a lot of history of abusing commit, like to mental patients and stuff. That's not to say all mental institutions are bad. It's just like. Odds are it's worse than foster care at the very least. So, anyways, she gets committed, but I think this episode only took care, course of a day, so nothing really came of that. So, Doctor From gets her journal because, oh yeah, the chick had a meltdown or something. Again, I, I thought she was supposed to be autistic, but apparently she was just abused. Maybe she was supposed to be abused and autistic, but they never said that. And she gives the doctor this journal, and also the medical director was there for some reason, and they were just talking to this chick like. Well, you didn't listen, and you wanted to hurt somebody. Like, why? What's your end goal here? And like, what, do you want to talk about your choices, your future? Do you want to be committed? 
do you want to change your foster parent? And she's just like, I don't care, decide for me, and she just leaves. So this Dr. Fromm has her journal, and he reads the journal, because it, she literally gave it to him. Yeah, because like, I'm... About the ambiguity. She actually yeah. gave it to him, so it's not privacy invasion. Also, this journal was like the only thing she actually owned, so I guess it's her gift to give, even if she was frustrated. So he reads the journal, and he discovers that, like, I don't know what he discovered. All he knows is that, like, he found out this one chick took good care of the child. So he tracks down this chick's daughter, who's still alive because the chick died when the child was under her care in the foster system. And he's like, you, uh, we need to talk about the, chi- the child. It makes me sound like I'm speaking about baby Yoda or Grogu, if I call him the child, you know? Oh my goodness. Because in The Mandalorian, before they revealed his name, Disney was like, you need to call him the child. <laughs> but anyways, so he talks to the, um, the chick's mother uh, no, the chick's daughter, who was her former foster mother's child, and it's just like, I want you to read this, and he just leaves it with her, and then at the end of the episode, I'm just gonna follow this one storyline through because they're so unimportant. Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, uh, the foster mom's daughter decided to take in the child as her foster kid, and the child mm-hmm. gets her journal back, and it's like a happy ending. Yeah. And I'm just gonna follow through with what happened with the UN thing. So the Russian ambassador, at least I think he was the Russian ambassador, gets salty that he can't leave the hostel early. So the medical director is just like, okay, just tell your guards to look for all these random signs and symptoms and stuff. I think rectal bleeding was one of them. And the Russian guy is just like, the Russian ambassador is just like, fuck this, I, I want to stay. Don't discharge me. And then for some reason, the Mexican ambassador was right next to him and he's just like, oh, thank you so much. I totally owe you for that. And I don't understand why the Mexican ambassador, like, I don't get get it at all. He, he just told the medical director, I owe you for that, and I, I'm just like, okay. Well, it's because, like, I think they were, having, they were having, like, issues, like, there was, like, the scene where they were, like, like this, like, across from each other. And then I think the Russian ambassador was saying something, like, he wouldn't shut up, and he was just, start, he was just causing a ruckus. And then also, the Mexican... they were both walking after being affected with, like, potentially a bioterrorist attack. That was kind of weird. Like, they never actually explained what happened to the UN ambassador. They just said it was some sort of bioweapon. And I think they were supposedly free to go after a few hours or something. I don't know. Like, they were remarkably recovered very quickly for that. I kind of wish they focused more on whatever's happening to the UN thing instead of spreading out so far because it made it so hard to follow. And I feel like for our first episode, it's good to focus on a smaller cast and slowly introduce more. But this was chaotic. So anyways, (laughs) so the Mexican lady who supposedly had Parkinson's and with Dr. Singh, I still don't know if that's actually his name or not. And so the doc, the medical director is talking to Dr. Singh and just like, you should be treating her Parkinson's, I'm so disappointed in you. And Dr. Singh is just like, no man, you gotta look at her um, CT result. I think it might have been it. Yeah, it was a CT. It was an x-ray. It had artifacts. So he looked at the results and he saw her, um, no, it was a chest x-ray actually. So he looks at her chest x-ray and she noticed that she has artifacts around her heart, which is like, in the medical community, is just, I guess you could say, uh, inconsequential issue with the x-ray. It's nothing to worry about. They're just kind of a result of the image production. They're not actually pathological. It's just entirely the device's doing. And he's just like, oh, that's definitely just an artifact. And Dr. Singh is just like, that's not an artifact. That is freaking cancer. You didn't know that the disease you mentioned was cancer? Honestly, I was, that was just- That was cancer. Oh, it was cancer. Uh, I oh. forgot the exact one he diagnosed her with, but it was cancer of the heart, which is actually extremely rare because 
myocytes do not proliferate very often. So it, that's why it's rare to get cancer of the heart, whereas cancer of, say, epithelial cells, such as your skin, those cells proliferate often, which is why you're more likely to get skin cancer and stuff. Breast tissue also proliferate more often. Like basically any tissue that you think of that is constantly needs to be regenerated has a higher chance of getting cancer. Like blood cells also have a good chance of getting cancer, but your neurons don't really have much of a high chance of getting cancer because, well, they just don't proliferate, period. So yeah, so he's just like, she has cancer in a year to live. She never actually had Parkinson's. It's all just a drug cascade of her cancer. Because cancer, believe it or not, actually can produce hormones. And that was giving her a Parkinson's system. So she got a drug for Parkinson's, but that gave her side effects, which made her seem like she had more issues and stuff. And because of this cascade of drugs, which was initially kicked off from her hormone cascade from her heart cancer. Again, I forgot the exact type of cancer he gave her. Uh, he's like, yeah, she's gonna die in a year. So I need your help, doctor, medical director guy, to uh, diet, to tell her she only has a year left. So they, together they sit down and they tell her, yeah, child, uh, you're gonna die in a year. And she's just like, oh, I have to go back to Mexico. I need to see my parents. If I'm going to die, I want to see And my sister wants to come to my room. Invite the child. Yeah. Hello, child. This is not the child that we're talking about the show. This is a child. I get to eat. Go eat your food. 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 Go eat your swearing down then for the child. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Hello. Oh, shoot. Hello. Alex is interacting with the most precious child I've seen in her, my life, her little sister called Celine. Pteranodon, I'm not putting on no dinosaur training. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Mom, go downstairs. I soon come. Huh? No, up up. I soon come. And she's coming up. Okay. Yeah, she can join us. She won't understand any of it, but she can join us. Anyways, so... So anyways, ignoring this child... So this lady wants to go back to Mexico to see her parents for her last year of life. And because the Mexican ambassador happens to own the uh, medical director of favor now, the Mexican ambassador pardons these people so they can go back to Mexico because apparently they got to the U.S. illegally, which felt like the most biggest political statement I've ever heard in a TV show that, that just kind of like came out of nowhere. It's like, why can't they be legal immigrants for Pete's sake? Why are you applying all Mexicans are illegal immigrants? It's kind of rude. Anyways, so like these illegal immigrants get pardoned so they're allowed to go back to Mexico without being in prison because if you didn't know if you enter a country illegally, if you return to your home country, they will arrest you. Yep. Nothing like, you know, border security. Border control yeah. laws. Let's be real. Getting to the Custom. US illegally is probably way easier than getting back to Mexico illegally. Oh my god, how do you even illegally get to Mexico? Like, like, is there a market to get back to Mexico? There has to be, right? I don't know. Like, this is cold. Uh, uh. market to get to America legally. Uh, uh, the black you should get from America to Mexico. Uh, 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 what did you do? Baby. Uh, uh, I think she's committed some sort of uh, uh, no, crime. Wait, no, she's uh, too young to commit crime. Uh, anyway, yeah, so this Mexican lady and her husband get pardoned 
and they get on a flight, they go back to Mexico, and for some reason it's in the damn orange tint again. Like, why is it Mexico always orange in TV shows and movies? Uh, and they were in the airport, not the desert. It's like, why is it orange? It's always orange. Go get it. Orange Mexico. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, this is a very American TV show. Mexico is an orange, and it had illegal immigrants. Like, again, why couldn't they be legal? You know, break the stereotypical mold. Anyway, so yeah, like, but they send her back to Mexico where she can live out her dying days. Cause let's be honest, her cancer was so far gone, it's malignant. That really treatment at that point was kind of palliative at best, and palliative to. Uh, well, I guess preparation for peaceful death. It's... Isn't that like the hospice? Yes, that is hospice. Hospice provides child care. Okay. That's what I had to deal with when I was working in hospice. Ah, Please, go eat your oatmeal. Go eat your oatmeal. Go eat your oatmeal. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> go! <laughs> Celine. Ah, We're definitely keeping this in the recording. This is hilarious. I'm keeping this in. Anyway, that's the end of the uh, Doctor Sting storyline. Let's get back on to Miss uh, Doctor Black and Suzanne. So you remember how I mentioned there was this guy who showed up at JFK Airport and went straight to the hospital? So he's from Liberia, I think, or was it Libya? I remember which country he was from exactly. It was from um. Is it Cambodia? No, they were expecting uh Ebola. It was probably Liberia. Ethiopia? Oh no. We'll just say he's from a place where Ebola is running after wild. Anyways, so he collapses in the hospital waiting room, and the doctors immediately get him on the resuscitation team for growing or whatever. And as they're transferring him to the emergency department, uh, Suzanne takes out his, uh, tries to examine him for any form of ID, and they find his boarding pass, which reveals he came from a country where Ebola is an epidemic. Luckily, Ebola is a fluid transmitted disease, not an airborne transmitted disease, so they don't really have to shut down the hospital as thoroughly as they do have to do for, like, say, a COVID outbreak. And Alex is gone. Bye, Alex. I'm gonna keep talking to the void, so... They immediately put him into isolation in a room where he has access to pretty much anything he would need. And so, like, Suzanne is like, okay, boys, like, we need to step away from the patient, put on our personal protective gear, and we gotta make sure that we keep him under close observation before we can confirm or deny that he has Ebola. And then with the news of an Ebola outbreak, uh, the medical director is like, okay, uh, what do we do to help this patient? Like, again, I want you guys to be super strict on your measures and how to be safe. So you all know that the protection here is going to fail, right? That's just how writing works. So then the FBI show up and they're just like, by the way, uh, ISIS, because this is 2018, has uh, sent a video that said that we sent a sleeper agent to America with Ebola and that this guy is going to affect Times Square or something. And medical director's like, well, this guy came here in not Times Square, so he's clearly not your guy. And the FBI is just like, well, we're going to keep him under observation anyways, because you never know, he could be a terrorist. Which again, just felt kind of, felt so cringy. So damn cringy. I just rolled my eyes in the back of my head when I saw that. I was just like, really? Yeah. Can't break the mold writing team? Gotta rely on... I think, I think they were just, 
I think they were trying to be relevant with the year that never know. try to be relevant. Because like there's like you know if that show was written today, that guy would have been suspected of having COVID. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. Because when I was like, I was kind of confused to be honest because I didn't realize the date, like the publication that it, not the publication, but it was the release date. But it's still kind of like, why are you still talking? Like I thought. I mean, yeah, it's a very deadly disease that's still occurring today, but, but yeah. did you really have to do and the, also the show and, endemic thing? The show's going to get released for like five more, not five more, is it? No, just in total Oh, I five can't wait to see those. Yes. Oh. So you could expect the COVID episode in season five. I ain't saying I'm a full fan yet, but I just want to see more of this train wreck. <laughs> I like it. I'm. It's really good. It's emotional. It's funny at times. Anyways, I have no idea uh, what what medical terms are meaning because so I. So then Suzanne and black guy talk, and he's just like, "By the way, uh, yeah, I like you and all, but we can't date." And she's just like, "Why?" Because I'm black. And she's just like, "Nani?" For context, for context, Susan is a white woman. There you go. I think it was pretty obvious she was white when he said that I'm black. <laughs> Let's be real. Because like I was like confused. With this like, writing since age. He would have had to be black because you all know he would have said that if like they make Suzanne Asian or something. Yeah, but and as a mixed race child, this actually kind of pissed me off too. Same. Like, I'm half Indian, by the way. My dad's mixed. But anyways, yeah, that whole <laughs> I can't date you because I'm black thing really just kind of pisses me off. Too. That annoys me. I'm like, marriages and relationships are beautiful. They produce yeah. children like me and Alex. Exactly. Complete assholes. Exactly. So like when I first when I first heard him say that he couldn't like date her because she was white and that he wants to date only only black women. I'm because like, well, something about disrespecting black sisters or something too. Like that was his justification. Okay, that I understand because there's this thing now, um, where black men don't want to like interracial relationship on TV with Star Trek from the 70s. They got thousands of letters applauding them. I don't really watch Star Trek. No, what? I just know this because it's actually. Oh. But yeah, like. Anyways, continue. And now we've evolved to where interracial couples can't even. Why? It's How did we fall so far? So, what's funny is that, like, it's not funny, but there is this couple. There's, like, this TV show called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And the, um, the cast. All I know is that they turned Sabrina and they made it dark, so I don't watch that show. <laughs> Oh, but anyways, there's the two castmates um, in real life, Ross Lynch and um, what, what's what's her name? I can't remember her name. But she's she's you know black, and people were like saying, well, she shouldn't be with Ross, or like Ross shouldn't be with her, or something. Like that. It was just like a whole conflict. What's wrong with these people? Interracial relationships are amazing again. Well, because some forms they require you to declare what race you see yourself as. So, yeah, and then, like, the conflict is that, like, when you're mixed, you don't even know, like, what, what to put. It's, like, it's not and like then, they like, quit. Like, like in the UK, at least they have forms that are, like, West Indian. So it's like, yeah, the West Indies are a complete mess. So you can put that like, there. And then you get, like, whenever I have to, like, do, like, a race check or whatever, I just check, like, Afro, like, Black Caribbean. I think they have it on there. So I just check that box. Yeah, well, I'm Indian Caribbean, so it's like, you don't find many forms of that. So then you have to, like, check the other i'm like why do we need to check why do your we race? why are we even checking races down like they do it races for, if you need to check like, races seven. then you're the racist 
I don't understand why they had to check races. Like even in Cayman for like the census, I think they ask for your race. Yeah, I don't get why they do that. My dad always tells me to put other because I am I don't know what the hell to put. Yeah. Or I just put I do not want these clothes or something. Like why you need to know what I, I am? So yeah. That that's Doc, Mr. Doctor Black's justification for not dating Suzanne, despite literally making passing references of banging before. Ooh. <laughs> if, all I'm saying is, if he was white and she was black and he tried to pull that car, that show would have been off television instantly. Reverse racism ain't cool. Racism is not cool, period. Anybody could be racist. Yeah. Because... Imagine if New Amsterdam came out in 2021, or like 2020, like around there, and then knowing like what's going on in the world, and then you have that scene, you know, it's just like, I don't know, yeah. Like that scene in particular, that's the one that is burnt into the back of my cerebellum. Like that yeah. just scene where he's just like, I can't date you because I'm black. But I yeah. understood why, because I understood why, because there's this thing where black women, they're not appreciated, where black men aren't really going after See, you know, George other black wife. Huh? George Lucas is married to a black woman. Who's George Lucas? Guy who made Star Wars! I didn't know who that is. I don't really watch Star Wars. Well, I watched Star Wars, but I never knew who made it. There's this comedian, Bill Burr, who the media's trying to cancel, and he has a black wife too, and she's just like, why are you trying to call my husband racist over Calling a black woman a sex slave to a, her husband just because he's white and she's black. Like, what the hell, man? That is This is what makes people afraid to have mixed race relationships. Yeah. Like, are we back in the freaking 60s? I, I, I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why he said no. Like that? Because like, there is this show on Netflix, um, we're going off topic, but the thing is, like, it, with that statement from the doctor, it could go into so in so many directions, right? Exactly. Or like different arguments where he's first, or you could say like he had a point because. Yeah, I guess black, I could see. Black women, like, not many black women are appreciated by f- fellow black men. You know what I mean? But then you find that. But then you look at mixed race couples, and it's just like, why are you? That's like him saying to say that, yeah, I'm not you know, for being in a mixed race relationship, you know what I mean? But anyway, there is like, there is like this show called Ginny and Georgia on Netflix and it just came out and I watched it and it's basically about this girl named um, Ginny, her full name is Virginia, and um, she's mixed race from <laughs> mom. That's a different, that's a different story. Basically, she's mixed race, her, her mom is white and her dad's black, and then she goes to this school that's like suburban, it's like for, it's in, the show takes place in Texas. I think. And she goes to this high school that's predominantly filled with white kids and black kids are essentially the minority. Texas? I think so. I don't really know. But Would this be Indian kids? I, New England or something? I, let me get to it. Anyways, she, as she's navigating high school, she finds it hard to fit in because she can't really fit in with the black kids and she can't really fit in with the white kids either. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. We're lucky we and, grew up in a place where everybody was pretty much mixed race. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one of the Welcome struggles that Caribbean. she faced. Yeah. But we could talk about mixed race problems in another episode, I guess. Yeah, God, I'm still floored by that. So yeah, obviously Suzanne was kind of like, that might have been racist. Like she didn't say it, but she had that look of, what the fudge am I looking at? She was, yeah, she was like, I'm confused. She was like, is like, it my fault? And he goes on this long tirade about, well, you see, if I date you, it would be considered offensive to like my black sisters. It'll be my mom will get mad, my sister will get mad, like all these black chicks will get mad. I should be married within my race, and she's just like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But anyways, yeah, so like this scene, it could, again, it could go in so many directions. It could, you, it, it brings up a lot of topics of conversation, like, which is like- security, I'm guessing? 
which is very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and that I think this scene in particular made me want to keep watching New Amsterdam just to see their relationship between Suzanne. <laughs> I wanted to watch because I'm more interested in that Indian doctor with his slow, methodical pacing and the chaos that is the medical director because he's such an idiot. I just, I just, I just New Amsterdam is just really good. I forgot to mention the medical director's opening speech, right? No, he just like, my sister died in this hospital. You just has <laughs> just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but then he, <laughs> he was just casually died here from a hospital acquired infection. And no, and it's funny because it's not funny. It's not a funny situation. It's just casual. And then he was like, he was like patting, he was petting the bed, like. My sister, Pat Pat, died, you know, back in the day, so, and on my way around the place, you know what I mean? I'm just like, it's like yeah, my sister Luna and I, we were born in this hospital, and my sister died in this hospital. And I was like, what? You know, I honestly, when I first heard it, when I first heard him say it, I, I wasn't laughing. I'm like, you know what? That's some sentimental stuff right there. I'm not going to laugh. That is, but then, not what you, that is not how you make an introduction to the staff you're trying to Fire. Honestly, I when I first heard him say that my sister died in this hospital, I felt sorry for him. I really did. No, no, but now that like lost me. Like I thought, I honestly, I don't know. But now I'm just like, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you should, you shouldn't have said that your sister died in the hospital. But like, I think this is very hospital. My sister died. I understood why you said that his sister died in a hospital because he's like, listen. It wasn't any hospital, it was New Amsterdam hospital. <laughs> it wasn't sense. just any hospital, it was this hospital in particular, on this particular street, at this particular time, in this particular bed. He like was eight particular years people. old. Oh, why are we laughing at this? I feel like we're gonna go hey, to her hospital. name was Luna. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh yeah, by the way, Suzanne, uh, she goes into the isolation unit with the guy from who knows where. And obviously her personal protective gear fails her because yeah. of predictable writing. And she gets stuck in there while they have to continue making sure he doesn't have Ebola. And then test results come back. He has Lasse virus or something? I forgot how to actually pronounce it. It's with an L. And it's like, don't worry, you don't need to be in isolation and the disease is curable. We have antivirals. Wait, because- so then technically couldn't they have like misdiagnosed the kid and said, yeah, you have Ebola and you're going to die when in reality you didn't have Ebola. It's just... Has- they put him in isolation as a precaution while they did the test to confirm whether or not he had it. That's standard procedure. It's like, it's similar to like being innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> you, you have to do that when it comes to medicine. Yeah. Especially with infectious diseases. Yeah. Anyways, back but to yeah, the so topic. Like, they let him out. They let both of them out of isolation. I'm taking a medical law course next year. Well, it's not like medical law, but it's more like medical... Ethical? Me- medical, medical law. Medical, blah, blah, blah. medical law ethic and it's a subject that I have to take so you're going to look at like whether it's ethical for abortions to happen or not and then looking at it from a medical perspective and a lawful perspective and it's just like one of those classes so that's going to be interesting that's a fun thing to cover yeah I even think I even touched on it in um jurisprudence last term and I'm like well I don't I don't know maybe I don't know so anyways, like the guy gets at the, well, at the end of Suzanne and Dr. Black, I mean, mm-hmm. like that's the end of their story arc. So mm-hmm. we go back to the medical director's wife and she's prego and she has 12 weeks left, which means she has like 25 weeks on and she suffers vaginal bleeding during pregnancy, which is typically a sign of a miscarriage. So she gets sent to New Amsterdam Hospital. So she wasn't in Massachusetts, Alex. 
she was in New York, which again, wow. question of how the hell they afforded that studio. Anyways, so she gets transferred to New York State Hospital, and there's like, the baby, oh no, the baby, I can't feel the baby, I think she's dying. And Electra's are like, yo, baby's okay, Her, she's fine, what are you gonna name the baby? And he's just like, Luna, which is the name of his dead sister who died in that very hospital. You know, it's just clicking. And he's gonna name his daughter Luna. And he wants his baby to be delivered in the hospital that his sister was born in, and he was born in. But it's also the hospital that killed his sister. And he's also the medical director of the hospital that killed his sister. <laughs> it's bad luck though. If someone you know, if a family member that you know died in a hospital and you want your kid to be born in that same exact hospital, probably in that same exact room that your sister probably That's died in. It's oh yeah, bad. he also gets an ultrasound picture of the baby because they just decide, you know what, you're gonna have a C-section. But at first I thought, oh, she was miscarrying, but no, she's just having some pregnancy complications because, you know, her placenta is literally covering her cervix, which means baby can't come out normally. But even then, they could have removed the child there because 25 weeks, it has a low survival chance, but it is possible, and the child will have to be in the NICU for a very, very, very long time. Which makes me wonder if New Amsterdam Hospital even has a NICU? I don't know, it's just a, it's just a TV show, but yeah. It's still kind of a big question, like, does know. it have a NICU? Yeah. But again, well, it is preferred like, to keep the baby in for as long as possible. So this man gets an ultrasound of his baby Luna. He takes it to the very room his sister Luna died in. And he's just like, I'm just introducing her to somebody when this lady from the beginning who went off to who knows where comes back to the hospital. He's just like, by the way, wasn't I going to fire you? He's just like, yeah, but I came back, so you can't. He's just like, okay. So like, what are you doing in this room alone, in the dark, holding an ultrasound picture of a baby? He's like, I'm just introducing my sister to someone. And instead of reacting like, what the fuck? We need to get you under some psychiatric evaluation. You're supposed to be the medical director and you're believing in ghosts. Instead, she's just like, yeah, okay, and we need to talk to you about your biopsy results. You have cancer, and then she just says squamous epithelial cells. She doesn't even specify what, like, the location or thing. She just... She doesn't even say a real cancer name. She's just like, squamous epithelial cells, which is the cells that line the inside of your throat, yes, but it's also found literally all over your body, lining lining any random surface in your body. So that's like vague as fuck. And she doesn't even like tell him what stage it is or like what the basic grading is. So again, like that's, that's stupid. She's just I like, yeah, you have cancer. Didn't he know though? He's like, no, he's like, yes, I suspect it, but he didn't actually have a confirmation. Also, oh. this wasn't the lady, this wasn't Susanna, because Susanna was the one who did his biopsy. This was a different lady. Which means no, Susanna yeah. was blabbing her mouth around telling people that the, the medical director had cancer. Which means Susanna violated, uh, I forgot what the exact law is in the US one, because I'm not actually based in the US. But, she essentially violated HIPAA, I think. That's the US oh, the, Hippo, the Hippocratic Oath, right? It's also, yeah, the Hippocratic also, I think it's also like the name of an organization in the US that covers uh, basic hospitality. I don't know, but anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, she violated HIPAA. Like, Suzanne violated HIPAA. And anyways, this random lady, he's, she's British for some reason too. So this, this traveler paparazzi celebrity correspondent of hospital lady is British. And she's just like, yeah, you have cancer, you're gonna die. And he's just like, yeah, I know. It's like, what? And then the episode just kind of ends. Um, like, it kind of ends with the Mexico scene, actually, where Mexico was in an orange tint. I just decided to condense all the storylines so it's easier to understand. But yeah. Anyways, that was New Amsterdam in the first episode. <laughs> I <laughs> will watch the second one for next week. It's, I'm on episode three. It's, it's good. It's 
Okay. You're only on episode three. Listen, no, I don't have. It's a forty-four. I think it's like forty-four minutes. I thought you watched the show already. No. No. Why didn't you recommend me a show you actually finished? Because it's a medical drama, and you're a medical student, so then you could critique I it. Thank you, Beyblade. I have not watched Beyblade in my life. Why won't That's like... a show I completed at least. Listen, it, there's there's only like one season of New Amsterdam on Netflix, and each episode is like forty minutes, so it takes quite a while to watch. So. Hence why I'm only on episode three, and I watched two episodes at the same time, like one after the other. So that's why I'm on episode three. So I technically watched a good hour of New Amsterdam. Well, this is gonna make my plans to talk about Beyblade with you a bit more complicated. So I'm just gonna have to be going in blind here. But anyway, she watched Beyblade Metal Fusion. Let's let her explain what happened in the first few episodes because, again, I had to watch 42 minutes. I gave her a show that's only like 20 minutes, so she had to 22. watch two episodes. Yeah. So, I started, I tried finding Beyblade on Netflix, but it's not there anymore. You can just use YouTube, it's, you can literally I find did. the entire thing on YouTube for free. I did, I did, I found it on YouTube, so I watched the first It's not even legal, like, they just didn't take it down for some reason. I think it's the official publishers, too, put it on YouTube for it's, free in it's, English. It's the official Beyblade people's channel. It's just there for free, in multiple languages. But anyways, I watched the- okay, in the first episode, I was- Okay, I'm- okay, as you should know, I'm not really into, like, anime well i'm trying to get into anime but i'm not really into it but anyways so the first episode um the what's his name ginga is it ginga ginga, ginga. He has they really all have cool japanese hair. names unlike most of these shows where they actually americanize names this one kept the japanese names for an important reason but i'm not gonna tell her why but there's ginga and he ginga ginga and he has this beyblade called the pegasus and I think it belonged to his father. I've seen, I remember watching this with you one time at a sleepover, and I think we got up to that point. And so he has the, the baby lead, Pegasus. And then there's like, um, he goes into battle, right, with the Beyblade, and then he gets um, into trouble with these bad guys called uh, Face. Face Hunters. Yeah, Face Hunters. And, um, I'm really bad at explaining, but anyways, then there's this child that looks up to him called, uh... Kenta. Kenta. And honestly, I love Kenta. He's so adorable. The fact that we remember these guys' names over the people in New Amsterdam is just kind of like, what? <laughs> and, and Kenta, Kenta's adorable. He's like a, he's a child and he has this little, the Beyblade he has is called Sagittario and all of the Beyblades, not all of them, but some of them are named after constellations. Actually, They're all, no, all of them. Constellations. Some of them are constellations. Sagittario, Sagittarius, it's a zodiac sign, you know, anyways. Um, and then he kind of um, tells Ginga, Jinka, Jinka. Got yeah. it. Yep. And tells Jinga that he wants to be mentored by him. Like, he's like, can I please follow you? I want to be your friend. Oh. And Jinga is like, okay, fine, whatever. And, and so then they do battles and then they come across this girl who works, has like a tech lab where she fixes them. And to me, she's kind of like the vet of Beyblade. And the, what was so annoying, joy, but she's actually mobile. And there's only one of her. Like, I found her really annoying sometimes because she's like explaining all the stuff. Oh, trust me, early Madoka's annoying. 
Lady Madoka is the goat. She's she's just annoying. Like she's like, do you get it? Do you get my drift? I'm telling you, you're gonna love her later. It's just like the first few episodes are a bit. But anyways, she's like, do you follow? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's because but, uh, the show is actually obviously an anime, so it's a Japanese originally. So it's kind of supposed to be a speech marker that she has like an accent. Oh. It's like a verbal tick, you could oh. say. But, it's used to make a character seem enduring. It's kind of yeah. hard when they try to put it in the English character. Which is why I recommend you watch it in Japanese with subs. <laughs> anyway, so I got to there and then um, skip to the end. They basically get into battle and they all become friends. And <laughs> I'm really bad at giving subs. Anyways, um... Yeah, they all become best friends, and they go on these adventures, and then I think I had to watch the second episode, and it's I think... It wasn't even in the first episode, I can't believe you missed out on the most important thing. I was half asleep. Oh yeah, you were watching the world tonight. Probably, yeah. So anyways, what she missed from the first episode, so Kenta starts off the episode in a bay battle with her oh, and yeah. his friends, and this guy called Blader DJ is there, and he's just, he's a minor character that reoccurs, but he's just an announcer. And Kenta comes uh, eighth place in the tournament, and this gang called the Face Hunters like stalking the tournament to try and find uh, potential victims. Because in this universe, people collect points called Bay Points. It's just a status thing; they don't really have much meaning. So like they stalk this kid and they beat the shit out of him. Well, they try to beat the shit out of him, and then Jinga shows up and is like, "I want to save you, little boy." And Kenta's like, "No, fuck uh, off! I can do this myself." And then Jinga's like, "That I already saved you." Oh, and Jinga saves Kenta from the Face Hunters, and one of the Face Hunters' names is Benkei, and he's like the second in command of the Face Hunters. Mm-hmm. So he gets, so they run crying back to their boss called Yoya, and he's like very uber scary, so much wow emo guy. Gotta do it on my own, so vile, crazy. <laughs> Honestly, the whole entire okay. When I was watching Beyblade, the two episodes, I'm like, am I really invested in these? I was just honestly Ken, Kentu, Kenta, Kenta, the little baby. He's so sweet the whole time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but you know, I'm you know how like Ash Ketchum does not age like at all. He's stuck at like 10 years old. He's been 10 years old for like a hundred thousand years. If Kenta stays six well, years Kenta old, well, Kenta grows up, but you never actually see the grown-up Kenta because there's a spin-off sequel series called Shogun's Deal. Oh, anyways, I am now emotionally attached to Kenta because he's so sweet and wholesome, and he looks up to. Oh, Jigo. you're gonna love the later episodes when a certain character shows up. You I know the f- are really gonna like the. Is it the father? No, you are gonna like this guy. You uh, will find that he's very endearing towards Karen Kenta. If anyone's watching the show, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyways, but yeah, okay. My first impressions of the show. You didn't even come to the second episode. I thought I did. Anyways, my memory. Let me look up the synopsis for the second episode. I'm very bad at this synopsis. Do you want me to explain the second episode? Wait. Hold on. I am. I am. You described the part where they met Madoka. But you completely missed out Kenta getting gang beat up, right? Oh yeah, okay, so there's like this alleyway, right? And they basically fight um the little was it oh wait, does Kenta get involved? I think Kenta tries to defend Jinga. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the first episode ends with Jenga entering a battle against 100 people at once. Oh yeah, okay, so like, it says Volt gets his first example of why you shouldn't get overconfident That's after one. That's Beyblade Burst! I've never actually watched it, I just know that there's no one named Volt in Metal Fusion. I can... Mm. <laughs> Beyblade Metal Fusion, not Beyblade Burst, and if you look up Beyblade, I think G-Force will end up with a completely different set of characters. There's like this show that my little cousin is obsessed with and it's called the Beyblade Burst. No, it's like he watched it. He watched Beyblade Burst, Burst and the Fusion one. And then um He watched Fusion? That's like really old. He he's obsessed with Beyblade. But he's him and my cousins really like a show called The Twelve Deadly Sins. And I watched like that's, yeah. Uh, no, not twelve deadly sins, it's seven deadly sins. I can't count. I don't think that's a kid's show. I don't know. But he's He's been watching it. So, uh, anyways, yeah. So basically, this is the plot of episode two. All right, on fandom.com, Kyoya is training with the Face Hunters in order to become more powerful and great. To become more powerful and defeat Jinka, he states that if he does not become stronger, there will be no way that he can defeat Jinka. Meanwhile, Jinka and Kenta, which is the adorable kid, are at the park chatting. Jinka states that since there are strong opponents here, he will stay with Kenta. Aww, my heart. Anyways, Kenta gets overjoyed, but this states that Jinka should oh but states that Jinka should be careful when battling Kyoya. Then a girl looks at Jinka's storm Pegasus and feels sorry for it. She quickly scans it with her computer and finds Pegasus has scratches and is in need of the computer, I thought she was using a DSI. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was a DS. <laughs> She tells Jinka that he should take really good care of his bay blade and tells the two to follow her. They go to her dad's shop, the bee pit, and go to her basement where she works. That sounds like a mafia type of house. There's a basement. Anyways, and she introduces herself as Madoka and states that she will repair Jinka's Pegasus. At first, Jinka does not think she should repair it because, you know, to be honest, him and this bay blade are married in his head. But since it has little, since it has battle scars, he agrees. And then decides to stay with Madoka until the Pegasus is finished fixed. Then the next day, Kent is walking, he's confronted again by Face Hunters, and they steal Kent's flame Sagittarius. Rather than being Bankei, the second in command, he is important later. Uh, they we'll steal, that for you. They, they steal Kent's Sagittarius and tell Kenta to tell Jinka to come to their headquarters, Metal Tower, if Kenta wants his Sagittarius back. Kenta runs to Jinka and tells him, how the face hunter stole his Sagittario. Jinka goes with him to the bee pit, which is the basement, but his Pegasus is not yet completely repaired. Ooh, shocker. Despite this, he goes to the metal tower. There he finds Kyoya and his face hunters. He tells Jinka that if he loses in this battle, Ben Cave will drop Kent's Sagittario and it will be broken into pieces. But can't the girl then fix it? No, no, no. It will, it will literally shatter. Oh, anyways. Jinka knows he cannot let this happen and battles him with the risk of his Pegasus shattering because, as you know, the Pegasus is just kind of like half-baked right now. As they battle, Jinka learns that he attacks Kyoya's Rock Leon. It does not affect it. Madoka tells Jinka that due to the wind current of where they are battling, it makes Leon create an invisible wall as it spins, blocking any attack to Leon. Due to this, Pegasus gets sent flying up through the sky. Although Kyoya knows the battle is over, Jinka tells him it's not. As Pegasus comes flying down, striking in Leon's weak spot at the top, using this special move called Star Blast Attack. This decides it, and Kyoya is surprised at how he lost, and Kenta goes and gets Sagittarius back. We love a happy ending. Later, Kyoya gets angry at himself for losing. Oh, we love imposter syndrome. And blames it on his face hunters. 
However, a mysterious man, aka Merlin, confronts AKA them. AKA actually has a really stupid name and a funny obsession. Jinka, Kenta, and Madoka are later walking in the park. Madoka forces Jinka to apologize to his Pegasus for making it battle when it still needed repairs. So to me, I think Madoka's like the conscience of Jinka. She's like, yeah, you know what? You're a bad person. You should apologize to yours. It's more like, I'm the lark, like speak from the base. The base say, please don't fucking throw me into battle when I'm not prepared. Well, that is what happened in this second episode. I feel like so much less happened in the first episode of Beyblade than the first episode of New Amsterdam. I know, but I love New Amsterdam. I love New Amsterdam. I really do. It's like a lot. I feel like there was too much going on, which that's a negative. On the other hand, also a negative is the medical director is an idiot and incompetent for his job. But on the positive, it sounds like a train wreck, so I want to keep watching it. And I also want to see the black guy get over his internalized hatred. Yeah, for me, like I... When I first watched the first ep- the first two episodes, the first episode, I was just like, I'm expecting Grey's Anatomy, cringy, medical... I first watched Grey's Anatomy. I watched like one episode of Grey's Anatomy and I, I, was, I got bored. I'm like, I, this is not for me. And then you, you have to see a good show, Scrubs. There's this other show called um, The Good Doctor and it's really good. It's actually, it's like, it has to deal with this, this doctor who's autistic. And then I think he has another condition, but I can't remember the name. And he is being um, taken on by the medical director at this one hospital. And the people in the hospital are against this autistic kid getting recruited because he has autism. And they're just a bunch of complete jerks that don't think he should have a chance. But then the medical director has known this kid from the time he was a little kid and has seen him do amazing things and actually took him in, right? Because he grew up in an abusive household with his father. And I'm not sure, but I think think they said it's harder to detect. I think they said it's harder to detect autism in girls than in boys or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that, but I just know that... Kind of like, I know it's hard to find ADHD in girls and boys, though. Yeah. I love how we're going off topic. So yeah, many times. Stop recording and call this episode one. Yeah. And you can put, like, little music in the background. 